0: 2014 will go down as the warmest year around the globe in
1: recorded history. 2015 was the hottest year since climate records began. Your show this July was the single hottest month in recorded history. Australia sweltered it through its hottest spring
0: on record. Climate change is now affecting every country on every continent. The rate that's a great concern. I I think so. What do you that rate does? Oh, it's human activity. We have everything we need. Some still doubt that we have the will to act. But I say. The will to act is itself a renewable resource.
1: This episode of Climactic was recorded on the land of the Gadigal people of the Eora Nation. We acknowledge their elders past, present and emerging. Hello, I'm Eve. Welcome to Climactic. And before we begin this episode, I just want to note that Ro and Tony, who are interviewed today, don't live with reliable internet. So we had to kind of improvise, which means that the audio quality isn't tip top, but the audio itself is incredible. So I hope you'll forgive us and enjoy the incredible knowledge that's shared today. I'm really excited to share this episode with you today because it's about how the destabilization of our planetary system, including catastrophic biodiversity loss, is leading to the emergence of novel diseases, including, but not limited to, COVID-19. I sat down with Professor Tony Capon and Professor Roe McFarlane, and they've published an article in The Conversation about how the collision of new species together enhances the risk of diseases crossing over, or zoonotic diseases, What I mean by that is as the climate changes, different animals and different plants all start, are all moving. It's a phenomenon called range shift, and it means that different animals, including humans, are moving outside their historic ecological niches to survive. When different species begin to interact for the first time, it increases the chance that diseases that each of those species carry will cross over from one to the other. And although we don't know the exact circumstances of COVID-19, we know that it emerged because, because of this zoonotic disease transfer. I met Tony Capon when we were both working together for the Frank Fenner Foundation. And the reason I bring this up is that Frank Fenner was one of the most prolific scientists of the 20th century in Australia. He was on the team that eradicated smallpox, but he also was on the team that established the myxomatosis virus as a way of fighting rabbit pests. He was acutely aware of the way that environment and environmental conditions impacts on human health. And that extends to what Tony talks about in terms of planetary health, meaning meaning the way that taking a holistic perspective of human health by necessity includes accounting for the feedback cycles of a stable and livable planet. So in I really enjoyed this conversation and I hope you do too. I'm here today with Professor Tony Capen and Dr. Roe McFarlane, who published an article on the emergence of novel diseases, including COVID 19, with catastrophic biodiversity loss and how those two are completely linked. So, Tony and Roe, hi. Great to be with you, Lovely to be with you, Thanks so much for coming on. Uh, let's start off with Ro. Would you mind introducing yourself and what you do professionally? Well, I'm
0: a public health academic at the University of Canberra, but my background is also as a veterinarian and I've also worked in as a natural resource manager, particularly in the Western Desert, developing Indigenous protected areas. So my background is very much what you might call One Health. I've worked with animal health, human health and environmental health and I'm particularly interested in those linkages.
1: Thanks so much. And Tony, would you mind introducing yourself?
0: Yes, thanks Eve. I'm a public health physician and for a chunk of my career I was medical officer of health in Western Sydney. So uh, doing disease control, on the ground in a major urban area of Australia. More recently, I've been an academic like Roe and uh, helping to advance this broad field of planetary health.
1: Thanks so much. So we're going to start off by talking about the topic that no one can stop talking about, um, COVID-19. Roe, you are experienced in the emergence of novel diseases as different species come in contact with one another. Would you mind talking us through the mechanism that resulted in the emergence of COVID-19 and how that has propagated in other cases around the world?
0: Well, I think the important thing to say is it's a little bit early for us to really um, be specific about what's happening with COVID-19. Mm-hmm. we are be aware at the moment there's renewed um, perhaps a conspiracy series perhaps they're not about the involvement of labs etc and until we know the specific species that this particular virus came from it's difficult to you know really be highly specific about the mechanism you also know that there's been debate whether these index cases, the first cases were actually in contact with the Wuhan seafood market. Now the reason why these discussions exist is because this is the scenario we saw previously with SARS coronavirus and uh, in that situation we're fairly sure we had the involvement of farmed wildlife, in that case the pivot cats amplifying a virus that had originated in bats, in that case Chinese horseshoe bats, and the 19 um, <clears throat> transmission or the virus to the transmission cycle has been a, another horseshoe bat, in this case the intermediate horseshoe bat, with the possible involvement of pangolins, which are an incredibly endangered species, but are uh, um, post-harvested and to a very small degree farmed for Chinese and other, other um, ethnic consumption and medicine sources. So, these are stories that involve the human use of wildlife. But the story where we start to talk about climate change interweaves with this and it also interweaves with the incredibly rapid rate of habitat loss that's accelerated in particular since the mid-20th century. And it's pushed species in contact with humans. And it's been accompanied by the globalisation of trade, the movement of animals within that trade. And so that's a complex all of its own. The impact of climate change is occurring at the same time to change the distribution of vectors. And many of our infectious diseases are spread by insects and arthropods like mosquitoes and ticks. And so we're seeing shifts of diseases and we're seeing shifts of plants and the optimum growing um, uh, climatic zoning for plants, and that's obviously affecting the animals that feed upon those plants, and so we're seeing shifts in wildlife. And that is another mechanism that is pushing species together in novel groups. And we've seen examples of this in animal health, we've seen it in human health. So we're seeing a shift in range of diseases, and we're also seeing the emergence of novel diseases as species are coming together. So it's hard to pin this story specifically for the COVID nineteen virus at this stage, but we have seen these mechanisms time and time again. and uh, COVID 19 emergent story all fits within
1: this, within this scenario at one level or other. Yeah, okay, so it's the risk is rising of novel diseases emerging because there's these new collisions as a result of range shift of different species, including humans. Is that kind of correct In as a summary? Yes, absolutely,
0: but also you might even Picture it like this. We've actually increased the number of humans, we've increased the number of livestock, we've decreased the number of wildlife and we've pushed an overlap. So we've created novel ecologies of warm-blooded animals anyway and there's nothing that viruses like more than those opportunities to expand their range, to change and adapt. And this is very much a situation of our own making.
1: Tony... You're a professor of planetary health, so going beyond like incorporating this habitat loss and these rain shifts, but also then moving into the complexities of food and water security with habitat loss. What are you looking for in terms of vulnerabilities for people and ecosystems as this pandemic plays out?
0: of uh, a public health position, Certainly I'm really supportive as I know uh, both of you are of the acute phase uh, that we're in at the moment in relation to COVID-19. The need to uh, move uh, quickly to prevent transmission of this virus from person to person uh, using our best biomedical understandings of and such as diseases from both an epidemiological perspective and also at the lab level in terms of the need for new diagnostic tests, uh, the need to uh, uh, research vaccine options, and to evaluate uh, treatment options for people that get sick. Uh, That's critical. I guess what um, uh, Ro and I are focusing on uh, in this conversation is a complementary way of understanding uh, what's happened with the pandemic and uh, and looking upstream to how we can prevent pandemics uh, in the first place, Uh, preventing the transmission from... Uh, animals uh, to people in the first place is we will spend uh, likely, in Australia alone, uh, a trillion dollars or more to uh, prevent the spread uh, of this new uh, virus. Uh, That's a combination of things that we need to do. Uh, We need to uh, uh, invest in the health system itself and intensive care facilities, for example, uh, we need to invest in that research on vaccines and treatments. Uh, we need to protect people's livelihoods, give them a safety net uh, when they can't go to work. Because of physical distancing and down the track, uh, we'll need to stimulate the economy again. And hopefully, uh, that'll be a green stimulus, uh, a stimulus that actually uh, helps to decarbonise um, uh, the economy and helps us to achieve sustainable development. So uh, this is the essence um, of a planetary health perspective. And uh, we use the language of an eco-social approach to health, understanding the ecological and social foundations. And as Rose been explaining, uh, the relationships between environmental and social change and our health whether it's infectious diseases or a range of other health outcomes, including the mental health consequences and, uh, of, of these processes. So, yeah, that's where the planetary health um, sits. It's uh, really encouraging uh, health perspectives that can enable us to understand that our health entirely depends on the health of natural systems, whether it's Climate
1: stability, uh, uh, biodiversity, ecosystems more generally. Yeah, and so, so both of you are basically saying, advocating for the need to stabilize our environmental systems in order for our social system to be able to better deal with these sorts of challenges and respond to them in a way that is a positive feedback loop for both environment and society.
0: Yeah, that's all right. No, no, go ahead, bro. I was going to say, I really like your analogy with the positive feedback loop, Eva, and I think that is a really good image to keep in people's minds. I would add to that that one of the biggest challenges has been that we can recognise that there are catastrophic things happening at an environment level, at social level, at um, planetary earth system function levels. And it's been quite difficult for people to contain all these processes, all these problems, all these intersections in their mind. And this is where planetary health has really made um, this dialogue possible. And I think we're moving into an age where we understand that all these systems are interacting and that we have entered these negative feedback loops and we're really interested in in how we can shift that in our responses, in our policy, so that we are definitely on a different trajectory, one that's looking more like sustainability and more like equity. And I'll... um, Leave that on to Tony to, to expand how planetary health has really started to tackle the way we look at these problems. Yeah, know, thanks, Rob. I think, um, uh, even here in Australia, uh, the pandemic uh, followed uh, immediately on from the ravaging bushfires, as um, we've already noticed today, and uh, what we need to be encouraging together uh, in this country and around the world is to take this opportunity, if you like, you know, tragic as it is, the pandemic, but use this moment to reflect on our mindset, the way we think about development, our focus seemingly on. Uh, um, always trying to grow GDP but encouraging uh, and requiring these uh, governments to focus on human well-being and intergenerational equity in the way uh, they do their business, in the decisions they make and uh, notably we've seen the emergence of this kind of thinking in various parts of the world and I know that just across the ditch in New Zealand Uh, The Prime Minister is introducing a well-being budget uh, for the first time there at a national level. I mean, uh, we've got this opportunity to really uh, strive for a biosensitive society. This is the language uh, that Stephen Boyden from uh, uh, the Frank Center Foundation has encouraged us um, uh, to use to find where the way we live is sensitive uh, to natural systems. And uh, uh, this will retain, re- require a change of mindset, a change of culture, and uh, hopefully we can emerge from the pandemic in, in a more positive way, um, uh, uh, looking ahead for the future and for future generations.
1: Okay, I think we'll leave it there, but thank you both so much for coming on and sharing your incredible expertise. you, thank you, Eve. Thanks again to Tony and Ro for coming on. It was so interesting having such knowledgeable experts on to talk about the way that our situation right now where so many of us are in lockdown is a manifestation of the way that we're destabilising our entire planet. I think it's something that we can all relate to. I hope you enjoyed it too. You're listening to The Climactic Collective. I'm Eve Brennan, and you can hear more from me on my podcast, Aftermath, if you're interested. Thanks for listening, and stay safe out there.
0: Thank you for joining us. You've been listening to Climactic, the flagship podcast of The Climactic Collective a podcast network dedicated to lifting the voices of the climate community. You can find out more about the people behind Climactic and all the shows we produce at climactic.fm. We are a social enterprise podcast network, and we greatly appreciate your support. You can find a link to our Pausable where you can support us directly in the show notes of this episode or from our website. Thank you for listening. And from the whole Climactic Collective, keep up the great work. And take care of each other in these climactic times. The Climactic Collective.